recently they have been like short and fast and like highly unfulfilling because I'm stressed. is Becky, founder of Anti-Diet Riot Club, which she now co-runs. She talks a lot about how Anti-Diet Riot Club came into being and what it has evolved to look like now, right at the top of the episode. So I won't go too much into that, but I will say if you don't follow them on Instagram, they are a real safe haven in the social media storm that can sometimes suck you in and spit you out the other side, not feeling very nice about yourself. It's a place of sustenance, I think, in this next, next, next world of Instagram highlight reels that, again, leave you deeply dissatisfied. I mean, sometimes snacks can be great. What a lovely oh, accoutrement to a main meal that might be coming later. But if that's all you're getting, then you need to look at your life. Speaking of which, this is such an interesting conversation with regards to the intersection between desire and bodies, body autonomy, independence, liberation from diet culture. And it's so funny because I just put the finishing touches on this edit. Again, it was a while after we'd done the interview. The interview was done mid-pandemic before I had a baby and the edit was done on a day when I'd posted a beautiful photo of my son and I sharing the most delicious pastry I think I've ever had in my life. It was from Frog Bakery. Shout out to those guys in Camberwell. If you haven't been, get yourself down there. I saw Ruby Tando on the day I was there. Yeah, celebrities. <laughs> I love her so much. She's so cool. But anyway, the pastry we were having from Frog was... I just want to say, if you're not following Ruby Tando as well, go go straight to her page, follow that, because she has some brilliant takes on different ways in which you can approach eating. Her recipe books are fabulous, and I just like her a lot. I think she's very genuine on the socials. And I didn't introduce myself. I was too busy thrusting my face into a croissant Danish collab with a roasted peach in the centre, some kind of Chantilly cream, and maybe like a geranium-infused custard. It was extraordinary. My son, he's one, was sitting on my lap and he would not let me get away with not giving him a bite. So there are some photos of him, again, face first, into this Croissant Danish collab. And he had eyes way bigger than, I mean, the thing is as big as his head. So understandable that he could only really lick it. But the photo I took and put on Instagram looks as if he's getting a proper munch on. And a stranger felt the need to reach out to me and tell me that I was effectively ruining his life by allowing him access to sugar at such a young age. I mean, fine, sure, I I hear you, but also, please examine your own relationships with how you approach other people's parenting and also desire deliciousness. What it means to just put up a nice picture of a lovely moment at your favourite friend's bakery. Yeah, I hope that person is well in themselves. And maybe they can have a listen to this conversation because I think it would do them a world of good. That is my speech over. This conversation is a joy. I'm so glad to gift it to you. If you enjoy it and you want to give us something back, we are on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Helen Duff with two Fs, like the beer in The Simpsons. And like any other word with two Fs in it, puff, um, tough, spelt wrong, uh, luff. Spelt wrong. <laughs> Muff. Yeah, I used to get that a lot at school. 
that's another story. Oh my God, I just had the most terrifying bikini wax of my life. Again, I'll I'll put it up on Patreon if anybody cares for it or just on my Instagram stories. That's probably the place for sharing that kind of thing. If you want to follow Becky, she has a private account. But if you want to follow Anti-Diet Right Club, I'll put all of these details in the episode notes. I produced and edited this episode. Daisy Grant put me in touch with Becky, for which I'll be forever grateful. And I really want to hear from you about your thoughts on this or any other episode we've put out this season. Contact me on Kaya podcast at gmail.com that's c-a-y-a podcast at gmail.com or on the socials or on patreon etc give us a lovely review on apple podcasts if you feel so inclined it helps people to find the podcast and it boosts my ego which i need a lot of at the moment it's not even an ego boost it's more just like oh people are listening people are enjoying the pod because i don't know something about this moment and coming back into the world and being a mum and gigging less. I'm putting way too much pressure on this thing and it's actually stopping me getting it out. Like, this is a couple of days late, mainly because I'm exhausted. I just did an audiobook and I'm solo parenting at the moment, but also because I've become really paranoid about, is this good enough? And I think it is. I think the conversation is lovely. I think it's interesting. I think Becky takes us to places we haven't been before on this podcast and for that I am pumped. And I think... You're going to have a nice one listening. So let me know. I'm not going to put an outro on this. I wish you very well for the rest of your week because here's Becky. Anti-Diet Pride Club is my baby. (laughs) Um, I founded it three years ago and then a few months later met my co-director Harry Rose and now together we sort of We've grown it into what it is. Um, It's a rebel community fighting back against diet culture, body shame, fat phobia in in a myriad of ways. The main things that we do is we create spaces, we put on community meetups um, and we, we, I guess we create, um, we facilitate peer support so that people who are on the journey of trying to divest from diet culture trying to reclaim like their body and try and find peace with food and exercise that they feel supported in that through us and through other people who are going through the same journey Mm. um we also you know create a lot of educational content we put on events and we bring experts and speakers and researchers and activists and artists to our community whether that be our social media community which is you know over 100,000 people or our private membership community which is just 200 people um and give them a platform to talk about all of the things around body justice and body liberation it's really not just about inspiring people to like you know love themselves that's just one small element of it it's really trying to enlighten people to how the reason why we love don't love ourselves the reason why we spend so much of our life feeling insecure and hating our bodies is because there's a whole system of power that wants us to do that 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 places different bodies in a hierarchy and pits us against each other and makes us compare ourselves because different bodies are valued in different ways so in order to get you know power to get a desire to be attractive to you know to get a lot of things that we think will make us happy we think that we need to fit a certain body ideal 
and that is tied in with you know the whole beauty and fashion industry it's tied in with the diet industry it's got its roots in racism and capitalism and misogyny and and so we try and politicize the concept of self-love because it is political and show people that the things they should be angry at is not themselves for not fitting the idea that it should be at society for making us feel like we're not good enough if we don't fit this really narrow version of what body should look like right at the beginning i was going to say could you clarify what diet culture is but i think you started mm. to already when you were talking about the ways in which it ties in with the fashion industry the beauty industry racism yeah. capitalism because is it more all-encompassing than somebody might hear the phrase diet culture and just think, oh, people who are on diets, people who are actively, consciously, mm. deliberately on diets. It's more than that, right? In a kind of more encompassing way, diet culture is all of the messaging that's telling us that our bodies aren't good enough the way they are, that they need to fit a certain ideal and that mm. the pursuit of that ideal is worth it at all costs. And if you're mm. not in pursuit of that ideal you know you're not going to be attractive and happy and that you're lazy and that you're not sort of fitting in with the with what everyone else is trying to do um and that manifests that messaging manifests through the diet industry through specific diet plans um but it also manifests in more broadly in wellness culture so Mm -hmm. you know a lot of what we now know as wellness is actually diet culture in disguise because it's still shows up health and well-being as looking a certain way so it often is associated with thin white cis able-bodied women being the pinnacle of wellness when actually you know well-being can look different on lots of different people it's tied in with lots of different types of diet plans that say they're not diets that they're lifestyle changes but they are diets they're focused on restrictions they're focused on rules and they make you not trust in your body's own needs and signals of hunger and fullness and cravings because it's like you can only have cheat days and you can you have to eliminate these foods from your diet in order to be clean when you're alienated disconnected from your body there's often quite a lot of paranoia going on a sense of not really knowing how you see yourself and therefore how others see you and I was wondering around that how that kind of intersects with desire because obviously if you're working through a lot of shit to do with your own body image, how does that then impact on the way you have relationships with other people, sexual, Mm. romantic relationships particularly? Is that something that you talk about? Because I noticed in your Body Right Weekender that you've just done, you did have workshops around maybe self-pleasuring and connecting with the self on a kind of, yeah, intimate level. I think the, the thing that ties it together, there's two things. that shame is such a huge obstacle for us being able to connect with other people to be able to connect with our bodies to be able to connect sexually with people um and that shame can show up in our relationships with a with a partner in the bedroom can show up with the way that we treat ourselves and sexually pleasure ourselves um and also I think they're connected because diet culture feeds into the narrative that like we need to restrict our access to pleasure and we need to be restrained and we need to be like not indulging so much and I know that you know that might it might be trying to say that with food but it it implicitly is saying that with other forms of pleasure food is Mm. one of the biggest forms of pleasure and joy that we get in our lives and when we when we're told we can't 
experience food in that pleasurable way that we have to experience it in only for its scientific nutrient nutrient value mm-hmm. um and when we're told that our bodies um can't be like free to just like have it their roles and its marks and stretch marks it must be controlled and hidden and must be like poised at all times in order to be considered valuable and desirable we are having that relationship with our pleasure severed um we're unable to to know what feels good to, mm. to, to honor what feels good because we're abiding by rules and restrictions that come from outside rather than listening to our own bodies people who have bodies that don't fit the further away from the ideal that they are so marginalized bodies mm. are are continuously and increasingly told in comparison to bodies which are like higher up in this hierarchy which i'm saying that they don't have a right to access their pleasure and joy that they need to be controlled that they need to be changed and that their bodies aren't good enough um and so a lot of people generally have problems around you know pleasure and trying to work out what feels good but if you live in a fat body if you live in a disabled body if you live in a body that's been told by society that you know you're not you know you're not valuable here and we're not going to make a world we're not going to build a world for you and we're not going to um represent you and we're not going to give you like social kudos then you'll have an even more complex relationship with that body and with that pleasure for us body acceptance body liberation is intricately connected with like sexual liberation and pleasure and reconnecting with our bodies in a like embodied way not just in like the political way or the theoretical way and not that's not for everyone some people are asexual and so you know body liberation for them will be being accepted for the fact that they're asexual Mm. um but yeah I think that embodied practice and that can be the ultimate one for me is sex (laughs) is super important but it could be through movement through through eating through mindfulness like you know um I just think that they we can talk about love yourself but it's like let's get deeper let's get deeper into like where the shame comes from and of course that's so so massively connected to our sex did you did you did you really want these do you know yourself how well do you know i really wanted to ask you about your relationship with experiencing diet culture yourself liberating yourself enjoying all the work that you do but then also having it on a really public forum that is measured and may encourage or may invite some level of kind of mm, self-scrutiny, I guess. I don't want to put shame out there if it's not there, you know. I, I just was interested in that relationship between being such a brilliant public active activist and also like also being a human, how that oh works. God, yeah. <laughs> Great question such a good question I am rarely asked this I I think I sort of wedge it into conversation because I'm actually going through a process of discovering my resilience and my Mm. limits to my resilience I think I have um people pleasing tendencies perfectionist tendencies which manifest in me feeling incredibly like bruised when I get things wrong or when people call me out slash call me in that I have you know a real high tendency to to care too much about how people receive the stuff that I'm doing obviously I care and that's a good thing but yeah taking some criticism incredibly personally 
and having a big platform it was never my intention my intention was to create spaces mm-hmm. to create to put on events to bring give a platform to people that I wanted to learn from you know I was a baby in the movement and still am to a lot of respects I mean this work's been going on for decades um so I never intended to have this like huge audience um and it does come with this responsibility and this self self scrutiny this anxiety that I don't like um and I feel yeah very precious when I put things out there I mean I'm we've just finished a five-day online summit I cannot read the feedback I've got my colleague my Harry Rose to read them I can't read anything negative for for a few weeks because I want to ride off the good stuff and and our brains are wired to focus on negative comments and negative Mm -hmm. feedback because that's a you know, an ancient mode of survival. But for me, it just ruins everything because I can't stop obsessing about the negatives. So that's one element of it. Another one is obviously there are trolls and, and fat phobic people and people that disagree with the work that I'm doing. I find them pretty easy to, to, to sort of deflect because that's okay. They don't have to agree. Um, I'm not trying to change like, you know, 16 year old Jim bros um, opinion. I'm trying to like (laughs) give a space for the people who need it and um, people who need this work will find it and hopefully find it helpful. And then the other element is of it is that I'm still going through my own shit every single day, every single week. I'm not liberated and perfect. And um, I don't have like amazing body image that constantly is, you know, impervious to all of the diet culture messaging that's being thrown at it every single second um I mean that's a bit of an exaggeration but you know all of the time (laughs) I'm also dealing with my own experiences of weight stigma in the medical industry I'm going through this procedure at the moment um and there's so much fat phobia and there's a lot of shame there because I'm like god I've been doing this work I've put on weight um and now I'm being told by the doctors that I need to lose it and that comes with a lot of shame I feel I mean, it's just an, it's an awful experience that people with bigger bodies than mine go through so much more and mm. about the most minor things. You know, my someone I know who has had asthma since they were five went for a new inhaler and was told they needed bariatric surgery. People wonder why there's poorer health outcomes for fat folks because they're being treated like that by doctors every time. And you want me to... With my elbow. Okay. Is there ever a time for you, because this podcast is obviously about sexual pleasure and kind of being with the self, Mm. where you have to shut off from it because actually it's so public. It requires so much being out there and and being all about looking directly at the thing that sometimes you can't handle looking directly at the thing and you you need to just be private. Definitely. Like if, when I've gone through some really tough periods of, of, feeling uncomfortable with my body or feeling ashamed of my body or feeling um just like dissatisfied in some way um yes like I have way more emotional tools now to deal with those times and and that's what brings me out of it and that's what reminds me of like you know my intrinsic value and that my life is not all about what I look like and that there's so much more to me and that um I shouldn't be angry at myself etc but the last thing that I want to do is run anti-diet riot club sometimes I the I you know there is such a focus 
on talking and thinking about bodies and I feel like is this good for me sometimes because I'm I'm constantly thinking about body image and constantly thinking about because I'm into it's a passion of mine now to to try and solve this like pandemic I think that we have of terrible body mm. image and you know and self self-hatred and low self-esteem um and disordered eating so it's like a career passion but like on a personal level I'm still also experiencing it and so I don't maybe it's not good for me to be constantly thinking about it Mm. um so yeah I definitely have that I also what you were saying earlier about um you know the focus on bodies in order to try and remove body shame like I'm super conscious that the point of the work of trying to divest from diet culture is to actually say bodies aren't the most important thing about us they're a flesh vessel that we're held in and what's more important is you know our kindness our relationships our um you know our ability to follow our dreams and passion our access to health and food and to be able to try and change the world to Mm. to love like those are the things that are most important about our lives yet I'm constantly you know I'm posting photos of people's bodies and the the why we do that is to try and try and change the representation of different types of bodies and I think Mm -hmm. that is important but like how do you on a on platforms like such as Instagram which are so focused on aesthetics on on just visual content how do you remove the focus from bodies while um playing into the algorithm while while you know reaching people while Mm. trying to change representation of marginalized bodies it's 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 a kind of tension that I feel strongly and that I'm always trying to find a balance for Mm. um yeah I mean that's why we've started this private anti-diet right community because there we can have nuanced conversations and there we're doing creative workshops you know we're doing crafting and sewing and learning French and painting because (laughs) those are the things that we now have more time for that we're now not you know spending an hour weighing our broccoli and our you know measuring our peanut butter we've got so much more time now because we have more mental energy do you ever feel like you're unreal they danced in the rain During a lacrosse game Claire became foolish And Prim became less prudish Guessing each other They soon discovered They could be better people forever Even when they were no longer together Started Anti-Diet Riot Club after a huge breakup um, <laughs> that's a classic rom-com classic isn't it like <laughs> the biggest breakup of my life my 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 first my first big heartbreak um left me despaired and I was like what do I do with my life <laughs> um and so it's funny how I see the trajectory of 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 anti-right club not me and my personal journey with the work because I've kind of been like doing that a few years before but and to like right club I see as like real you know I've been like really on my on my own solo and like experimenting a lot with different partners and mm. like dating couples and um having much more um or at least having more like you know casual sex than I'd done in the years previous to this sort of six years previous when I'd been with someone so um yeah there's it's I think I've been doing a lot of self-discovery when it comes to sex. Mm. 
interestingly the last year has obviously been the least sexiest year of my freaking life (laughs) (laughs) um not only have I had less sex I've also felt less sexy um you know Mm. this it's stressful it's my mind's been drawn to um you know like the fight or flight mode it's just probably been focused on you know surviving a pandemic Mm -hmm. and also you know my mental health hasn't been as good as you know as good as I like because of that so all of those things have meant that I felt very unsexy um and also I've been like having gained more weight uh for this has brought up old issues around like my sexuality and stuff so um not my sexuality my like my my desirability of myself and of others pre-pandemic pre whatever the fuck this has been um about experimenting with dating couples and Mm. having more casual sex and exploring your sexuality do you think those things were intertwined with the kind of messaging you're exploring in anti-diet riot club around Mm. especially around things like these big monolithic structures these big Mm. kind of power structures that teach you that you have Mm. to be one certain way exactly yeah it's like how do how what what's gonna it's all about coming back to like what really brings us like pleasure and joy because the, all the rules and all the messaging and all of the, um, all of the, you know, the shame that we've been taught, all of those things are consequences that things should look a certain way that that should, you know, and it's like not about what should I be doing? It's like, what do I want to do? What do I need? Like, what does it feel good to do? Um, and so, yeah, when I'm that, that's a constant practice of coming, trying to come back to that, trying to like live authentically. And that means to fuck authentically, to, to date mm-hmm. authentically, to, to do lots of things authentically, to move in ways that, you know, feel good. Um, and so, yeah, experimenting has been a huge part of that. Um, I think also because of these like structures that you're saying, like I've wanted to rebel against them. So I wanted to, you know, we rebel against traditional monogamous relationship patterns and structure mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um dynamics and um I wanted to think about you know do I like h- how do I put so much emphasis on like someone a partner falling in love with me because that's how I felt like really validated in the past because I've been insecure and so like mm-hmm. what does it mean to just like you know see people in a way that's like not necessarily this like structured um fixed way and that's a bit more like flexible and non-monogamous and date multiple people at the same time um so it's definitely related to that I and think, what um, happens when yeah. you come up against a wall or what comes up when what happens when you come up against the thing that I really I really love the image of, by the way of you going <laughs> I really want to fuck authentically. Is am I? Is this authentic fucking? Like in the middle, you know how you sometimes pop out and you question yourself and you're like, okay, this is this is nice, but is it authentic fucking? Mm. Um, <laughs> but how do you if you come up against like a say you're having sex with a couple and there's something that you've never navigated before and you're like, oh, oh, what do I say here? How do you kind of bridge that gap and go and like push through the fear almost as opposed to like just stopping and running away? I've made that sound like a terrifying, like like you're (laughs) having sex with the bloody wolf from Red Riding Hood. No, but I just was trying to create a scenario that we could work. I've I've been there and I think like it's a, for me, it's a, 
an adventure of like learning how to communicate because so much of my sexual life I have um I have silenced or quietened the voice that's trying to tell me like this doesn't feel good or I want Mm -hmm. more of this or um you know like I feel uncomfortable here and I don't I don't want to make the other person or the other people feel bad um so yeah it's a it's a practice and trying to like let that voice come out and like express it in some way um and and also being able to notice that that is a voice I mean if you're like you know some people can't even aren't even tuned into the fact that like they have the voice that might be saying something is not right Mm -hmm. um and so trying to listen to her I'm gonna give give her agenda listen to her and to like express her Mm -hmm. um because I feel and I don't always do that that's just part of life sometimes you don't do the thing that you really like what to do you know that's best for you um but doing it more practicing doing it it does become easier mm-hmm. um and I think like if I say something and it doesn't go fit right with someone that's like the worst thing that can happen right they're like made it comfortable or they're like or I ask for something I, I tell someone I like them or I ask them for something and they say no um and that's it that's kind of like the end result and it it means that when someone says that to me I can more easily say no and that I can express myself back to them it's kind of just like you know um realizing that like the world's not going to cave in the the Mm. whole thing's not going to fall apart if I say oh this isn't like can we stop here actually like because I you know this doesn't feel great or let's do try something else um and is that a lush experience by the way is that quite a lush experience when you've maybe had quite confused relationships with what you want Mm. what you like what you desire what you enjoy and then you're like actually I really want that person I really fancy that person or I find that person sexually attractive or I'd like to explore being with that person and actually feeling like that like acknowledging that feeling and then acting upon that is that quite a delicious thing to do once you've come out of you know denying those instincts oh my god yes and like even if we get rejected which I have done um uh, it's like that's okay I can feel this way about someone else and then you know um they might not reject me (laughs) and it feels very personal but it's actually not like it's more likely to be about them um Mm. and not to be about you and like so then and I think you just it's just so much more freeing and in that way it is delicious it is I love that it's like adjective because it makes me excited that I can express myself it makes me feel like that I can lean into all of the good juiciness and the the pleasure and the joy because I'm able to express it and and know what doesn't feel that way either um you know you have to have the good with the bad um so I have to be able to acknowledge when things aren't right when things when I feel pain when I feel hurt when I feel rejected and when I feel jealous in order to be able to feel all of the the more positive delicious feelings as well Mm. um and that's that's the richness of life as both of them it's not it's not just having totally positive experiences she's coming home to me she's coming home to me she's coming home please don't leave can you describe for me what it feels like to orgasm 
Well, I had an orgasm this morning, so I can just talk to you about that. But Fantastic. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to say that orgasms for me feel so different depending on the context. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I rarely orgasm from penetration. I thought that that was, you know, expected of me. But actually that has happened. I could count the number of times that's happened on the palm of my hand. Um, and and I, I didn't even have an orgasm with a partner until um you know my mid-20s because I was um yeah just having you know penetrative sex and it wasn't bringing it to me so I was Mm. always helping myself and then you know I then I had an orgasm from oral sex and it was just like mind-blowing um and then I've the so so basically I've just experienced so many different types in different contexts and they're all great and they're all amazing but I think the thing that I've learned as well is that sex for me is is not all about the orgasm mm-hmm. um and that I can come in like you know 30 seconds a minute if I'm like in it and doing the right things but that it's the it's the journey to it and it's the the stuff around it um it's not orgasm is just like one part of it mm-hmm. um and I thought it was always like the goal and the main the main event um and obviously there's that stuff around you know if I'm with a man then you know it stops once they've come and that's Mm. something I've had to be like no 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 um unlearn that but Mm. from how they feel to me is so different depending on who I'm with and etc I think on my own recently they have been like short and fast and like highly unfulfilling because I'm stressed because of what's going on in the world it's almost like a quick relief and it's not Mm. the kind of this kind of like long pleasurable journey just of discovery and you know feeling and senses and that kind of thing it's it's become this like really quick like I often have um very sexy dreams like when I'm about to wake up and so it's obviously just like a release from that um so yeah, it's highly unsatisfying at the moment. I'm 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 on I'm making it my I'm making it my mission to create a and I learned this from one of our speakers, Vanessa Rochelle Lewis, who founded this um organization called Reclaim Ugly. She told me about her ritual around masturbation and oh my god, it's just was so inspiring. I so I plan to woo myself to to just really like play with myself and treat myself like a partner because Mm. I need to I need to like delve back into um if I'm not going to be with a partner which you know you know maybe at some point now that things are opening up but also I'm just um you know it's not my priority to find someone else like Mm -hmm. I'm I can create those experiences with myself so that is some intention that I'm setting at the moment and um I would like the the slow rumbles to come back rather than this like kind of quick like <laughs> quick explosion occasion which is great but uh yeah it's it's I kind of like I like this like developed version of an orgasm that I've had in the past and I want that back <laughs> yeah like stripping back going back to basics yeah <laughs> I had an image of you drinking coffee because you said it was about doing it happening in the morning in these quick jolts and it's not like as long and kind of languid as it has in the past the difference between like when you have coffee when you're just drinking coffee to get by mm. and it doesn't really have as 
intense an impact as it would have if, like, you were on holiday, you're just having one delicious coffee a day, and it was like yeah, a real rich. Yeah, it was like it's like the Nescafe, instant Nescafe of <laughs> yeah. orgasms. Yeah, that's the what, gold that's blend what of this morning was. Exactly, it's the gold blend, instant version, and I want the like slow brewed, like deep roasted I don't know I'm not even a coffee aficionado but yeah <laughs> Maybe but if any they, coffee um... aficionados are listening we are up for <laughs> making that advert and showing the yeah difference. like the sort of like the creamy cappuccinos that you get in a like cafe in Italy like that's the coffee that that's the orgasms that I want <laughs> creamy cappuccino of orgasms in Italy yes please <laughs> 